Welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Lucy Lucroft, a freelance journalist and blogger from London. Each week, I chat to awesome humans about their journey to where they are today, and we share lots of blogging tips and tricks too. You can hear the entire back catalogue, as well as new episodes wherever you listen to podcasts by searching for my name or searching What She Said, or you can go to my website, wanderloose.com. And if you want to come say hi online, I'm at Lucy Lucroft on Instagram or Twitter, or over at my blog, wanderloose.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Lucy Lucroft, and you're listening to Series 2, Episode 14. This week, I chat with Kate of A Playful Day about the strange twists and turns our careers can take, and how staying playful is important in this crazy online world we're all in. She opened up about the challenges of being a single mum, right through to where she is today in a super positive space up in Edinburgh after her online gap year. I said year, like in such a posh way there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, if you need to hear that it's all going to be okay and that you can achieve amazing things without following the rules, this is the episode for you. Hello and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Really well, thank you. Good. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your blogging journey so far? Oh, okay. So I'm Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a tricky one. It's a big one question. Blank on. <laughs> um, but I'm Kate and I blog and podcast and share all kinds of things on social media and online as a playful day. And the kind of story behind why I chose a playful day is I was in a place where I felt like I needed a playful moment in every day, like a reminder to kind of be inspired and let go of some things. And um, I was in a job I didn't particularly like. Um, well, it's not that I didn't like it, actually. I worked, um, I did a lot of work in like mental health and behavioural services and um, special needs schools and, um, and often quite deprived areas, which I loved. But uh, the paperwork and the commuting and everything around it was just, it was knocking the stuffing out of me I think is the best way to put it yeah. um so I set up this kind of blog so I was having these long commutes and I was consuming blogs and podcasts at such a rate that I just felt like I really wanted to join in that conversation mm. and at the time I hadn't really been using my camera very much whereas when I was younger sort of um in my sort of actually even pre-teens I was really into photography and uh, creative writing and um I did drama and writing at university and I went traveling and with my camera and then I just kind of stopped and put all that creative stuff aside and focused on work really Mm. um and so I saw the blog as a really good opportunity to pick my camera up again and take a photograph every day or to write every day or to try recipes out and just really be part of that really creative online space that was kind of exploding I guess because it was I'm trying to think how long I've been blogging for it must be maybe six seven years I guess um and before that there was you know the usual Flickr route that I think a lot of people usually (laughs) mention especially if they like photographs like Flickr was amazingly inspirational and I kind of I think I I came in at the sort of when everyone was seemed really to know what they were doing on Flickr (laughs) I was quite intimidated (laughs) in this really awe-inspired way um so yeah the, the blog kind of came there and then um I did a creativity challenge and decided to do a podcast episode as part of it because there was lots of kind of blog alongs and um link ups and things it was very much that kind of era um, of blogging and I had such a positive response I thought I might do this again I really like just switching on a microphone because people talk back to you a lot more yeah they do actually that's a really good point about podcasts yeah yeah people tend to like um um, um, my favorite is when people kind of live tweet when they're listening (laughs) 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 which I love it if I happen to be on Twitter when they're doing because then it is like a conversation as they're listening and which always makes me laugh but if I come back later I'm like oh I'm sorry I wasn't there for that moment (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, it just kind of, it grew from there really. And, um, people got really interested in the way that I, I go about telling stories and the way I sort of really try and engage with communities. And, um, I've kind of, I've changed focus a few times with what a playful day is about, but it, at its core, it's kind of always creative in some way yeah. and about just taking a moment to just reflect whether it's been, um, on on family life, on you know something that means quite a lot to me and can be quite personal, or whether it's you know I really enjoyed this recipe. Um, it's quite it's a nice way 
to work and share, I think. Yeah. And from that, I actually completely changed career and I'm no longer completely burnt out and, and things, um, which is kind of an amazing opportunity. And when people sort of, I, I guess, are a bit sniffy about bloggers yeah. and sort of professional bloggers, I'm like, it changed my life. And I, I can say that hand on heart. Thanks to Instagram, I moved to a beautiful rural thatched cottage in, <laughs> um, on the South Coast. And actually, thanks to my blogging and podcasting life, I met my now girlfriend, who I've now moved to Edinburgh and live with. You know, it's really changed my life and it's changed my work life and my personal life. And I love that creativity. And I'm very, I know that it can be difficult. Um, there are difficult elements of it for people. And um, I'm very respectful of that. But I, I'm very, I'm very much in the pro camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great. And and when you were, when you were talking about your journey, I it suddenly struck me that Siobhan Watts from Bless the Weather, who was on mm-hmm. episode three in series one, she had a similar route to you in that she was in a she had done photography as a teenager that was her passion and then she put it aside and did you know her job and then went back Mm. to it and I I find that so interesting how our education like I get so passionate about this that our education system sets us up to believe that creativity and careers are almost two separate things and that you can't do the two can never be intertwined no unless no. unless you're an artist oh and then you have to be an incredibly high standard yes of artists you know you have to be someone that there was always that person in your class that they were the artistic one yes like it's just a something like this mythical unicorn yeah. quality <laughs> that like, those, those are the only ones and then it's you know you have this idea of this sort of tortured soul in a mm. big studio painting on an easel and it's like, that's in fact I work in the creative industries now and Sure, there's plenty of tor- tortured souls. There probably are some big windows and some easels in there somewhere, but you know, <laughs> that's kind of not what it actually looks like. And you have to be pretty creative to be a mathematician or a or a scientist. You know, I have a a five year old right now who's who's really into robots and programming and science, and she's just watching how she attacks, you know, any kind of problem solving or learning is fascinating. She does it with such creativity. She loves drawing and she loves art and she loves running and at the moment there doesn't seem to be a curriculum area that she's particularly or a learning area I hate calling it curriculum area that she's she's not passionate about and I was like when do we kill that when do we kill yeah, that in ourselves that yeah. we think this is not for me and I have to put it to one side yeah. and and that's something that I I feel particularly concerned about and I think has really been such a plus point of moving to Scotland because it's, it's a different schooling system is we're we're containing children to you are going to school to prepare for work. Yeah. And they're not. They're going to school to prepare for life. Yeah. That's, it's a life skill. And I think had someone said to me, you will be paid to write one day. Yeah. I, it wouldn't have occurred to me that that was abnormal at the age of nine. But somewhere along the way, I, that's not the message I got. So I stopped. I stopped pursuing that. Um, it's so thought, sad, isn't you know. it? It's so, so sad. Have you listened to the TED Talk, uh, Sir, Ken, Sir Ken Robinson? It's like the most popular TED Talk of all time, I think. Oh, no. Oh, I my really God, you would I love it. it. <laughs> you would absolutely love it. He's amazing. He's so funny. Um, he's a... Well, he's like an educationalist, I guess. And, he, and the TED Talk is about how schools kill our creativity. And c- can you imagine if Shakespeare was in our current school right oh. now? And like, do do you know what I mean? Like, imagine, yeah. imagine all of these things, and we're just saying, well, no, we've put you, we've put you uh, to the careers advisor, and and you've inputted this, this, and this, and actually, you you're going to be a recruitment consultant or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think there is something really valid in. Um, I was reading something um, on the pool recently, and I'm I'm terrible with names. I have a really really bad um, memory, so I'll have to make sure I get the links for people. But um. There was a, I tweeted it up actually, it got a really big response. It was somebody who had been incredibly successful online and, um, he was all very much about mapping out people's journey and creativity and celebrating that and very entrepreneurial way and often the way, you know, and because he's a man, he's speaking all over the world and everyone listens to him because, you know, men earn great deals of money mm. when they do this online. Well, can get into that for days, but, <laughs> um, something that he then said is that, but, 
there is an awful lot of failure and there is an awful lot of people who are not getting paid what they're worth and it's hard and the hours it takes to put in and it's yes you are living the dream but your dream might exhaust you and it was a really interesting point of there's a I think there's quite um it's quite a thing at the moment I think particularly for sort of uh, creators online who may be offering sort of e-courses and coaching and things is this sort of message is follow your dreams yeah. and ca- you know catch the unicorn and do you know whatever the meme is that we're creating or you yeah. know mo- Monday motivation um and I think the very real side that I guess often happens in those one-to-one sessions and doing the courses this is hard work and you have to treat it like a business yeah and that's something I can't think when I was learned that at school. I don't mm. think I learned how to be a freelancer at school. I did it by making an awful lot of mistakes yeah. as an adult. That's the reality of it, out that, it. Oh, this is how you run a business. Okay. And so now I treat my blog and my podcast and my freelance work very much like a business. And I'm I'm having fun with it. And I feel incredibly um, lucky to be doing it. Um, but I worked hard for it. Mm. Um, it's a, It's an interesting thing that I often... And I wonder, because my daughter is now in a household with two women who are self-employed and um, one owns a very successful business. And, you know, I'm sort of freelancing all the time and we work in a quite different way to how my family looked. You went out to work and you came back at a certain time and you earned this amount and you paid your mortgage. And it's it doesn't quite work the same when you have a self-employed family the hours are a bit erratic and you know there's you have to go and pick up a prop and stick it in the back of the car and you know all this yeah. kind of stuff on. and she'll be playing i'll be like stand still that's the perfect light i need a picture you know, like that's a very normal thing in our house and so i wonder you know if she's getting the stuff that maybe i lacked school <laughs> i'm kind of curious to see where this little scientist in this creative household turns out you know yeah. And how wonderful, how wonderful for her to have two um, strong female role models that she can directly see. She won't even think about it as she grows up. No. She, it, she'll just know that, oh, well, if I want to do that, I can do that. But actually, yeah. maybe I want to do something different. And I hope she kind of keeps that because I think most kids have that. It's like an innate thing. Like it doesn't occur to them that failure is an option. Yeah. You know, unless it's, you know, they're trying to learn to ride a bike. And, you know, my daughter is very much, she, she was the same with everything. Like she didn't learn to walk till she could walk. So she didn't do the sort of tottering. Sorry, she just got up and walked. <laughs> okay, we're walking. Um, and she did the same with talking. And there were certain words like she has an incredibly rich vocabulary. She's always been very interested and and engaged with sort of conversations. From she likes being in the sling because she was much more at our level. Uh-huh. Um, but she didn't use any word until she could use it. So I didn't get too many of the delightful mispronunciations <laughs> that I learned from kids. We got aminors, which I held on to for a long time. And sometimes I would reinforce because <laughs> I'm cruel. Because so um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few I got. Um, but I kind of, one thing that I love is that it doesn't occur to her that some things aren't for girls and for boys. Mm. It sort of, she hasn't got that message. And when she comes across it, um, her previous school was quite conservative in a lot of ways. Mm. And she found it really odd when people try to define gender in front of her in terms of what you can and can't achieve. And there was a group of boys who, you know, boys are bigger and better. She's like, no, you're not better. You're just different. And she, she couldn't understand why this conversation was happening. So I'm, again, I'm kind of curious to see how long she holds that for. Yeah. yeah, because I, so my nephew who is almost six, we noticed like a very steep change when he went to primary school that suddenly mm. little kind of, bits of sexist rhetoric crept into mm. his vocabulary not that he was saying girls are t- well I don't know I guess he kind of was like oh yeah. girls can't play this with me oh you yeah. can-. and and he would he would say you know I want to play with Uncle Ollie he's my husband not Auntie Lucy Auntie Lucy can't do this yeah. and I remember me and my mum challenging him on this and he just didn't understand it's so innocent yeah. Yeah. But, it, but that's been fed to him yeah really and what a huge weight to have put on little shoulders mm. that's what I always think I in that scenario where my my daughter was upset about the way the boys had spoken to her I actually really felt for the boys yeah I was like you are growing up with a kind of a, a sort of toxic masculinity that you are just superior because yeah. you're boys yeah and that is going to inhibit you in so many ways especially as fathers yeah like yeah. you're going to think some things are beneath you if this carries on and that's and that you know that's a woman's place to do and that's <laughs> really not okay and it, yeah. it, I kind of just I felt really quite sad about it but also glad that they then met a little girl who was like yeah, yeah. 
no, that's not going to work for me. And I'm going to explain to you why this is not going to work for me. And I was, I felt really, really good because I, you know, especially the creative industries, I often meet women who are really sort of say, defining their own boundaries and defining their own achievements and goals and they're setting them and they're doing them with, with less constriction than perhaps they felt in sort of more sort of mainstream, formal, however you want to word it, sort of workplace environments. Um, and I know from speaking to a lot of women, a lot have come out of that because they just got so tired of being defined in a certain role that they they wanted to be able to sort of push those boundaries a lot more. And, um, you know, I, I feel really glad that I have that opportunity. But then also, you know, I spent the weekend with a surgeon who's, you know, one of the few women in her team. And, you know, she's... Wow really you know defining it in a workplace and I'm like you know I feel like such a slacker (laughs) like Like, oh I'm just helping you know do it in my own small way but you are kicking butt and I appreciate that (laughs) going back to when you so you worked in kind of mental health and Mm -hmm. in a more traditional role I guess what when what were the stumbling blocks for you like when did you know okay, I want to I wanna do something different. This isn't for me. I think, I mean, part of it was, even though it was, you know, it wasn't even really a nine to five, I guess it was more like I had, I was working for an employer, so it's yeah. more, for, you know, formal than I, I do now. I I still had, I still didn't feel very grown up doing it because I often, you know, my whole thing was I was a very creative person and I worked with, you have to work in often quite different ways to really engage with certain families or certain children or certain adults and, um, so I felt like I was, I was sort of in this place where I, I don't fit here. I'm struggling. I'm physically unwell. I'm, um, I'm really burnt out. I can't see me doing this for the rest of my life simply because I can't see how I can sustain the level of energy. I'm a very passionate person who really wants to help as well. You know, and that's a huge thing in any of those kind of vocational roles is like burnout comes really high. Um, but then because of that, I was like, I can't see myself. What do I do? I think I tried to do several interviews going into sort of the charity sector, <laughs> right as um, the Conservative government came in. So, you oh. know, the charity sector was pretty much shut. <laughs> <Yeah>. because, <you> know, <laughs> it's like the worst time to make, try and make a career change. Um, because I was like, maybe I can take the skills, you know, the, the kind of charities that were doing a lot of the outreach that I, I'd been, you know, trying to engage to help with, you know, families and children that I was working with. But I just couldn't see myself in an office. I was like, I don't, I don't fit here. I don't know how to be a grown up. I guess you know, my, <laughs> my work life was often involved like a lot of either bodily fluids or being on the floor <laughs> or being covered in paint or you know it was, that was kind of an average day. And yeah, there was a lot of paperwork and and sitting at desks, but the desks were usually like in the janitor's cupboard or something or a laptop that someone had found so I could fill out some urgent paperwork for a referral and then someone would scream that one of the kids was climbing the walls and I'd have to go down and like (laughs) deal with them. (laughs) You know, that was kind of... So I just... I didn't really know what to do and then um, I actually got to the point where I was too physically ill to keep going to work. I was really run down and I was having hospital appointments all over the place and um, in the meantime, the blog and the podcast were just taking off Mm -hmm. and... Um, I sort of had, I went through a period of sort of unemployment where I just didn't feel, I didn't feel honest to keep going to, you know, taking jobs and then not being able to fulfill what I was meant to turn up and do because I was just so unwell. Um, so I let a temporary contract just kind of die really because um, it was term time and said, I, I don't think I'm coming back. And they were really keen for me to come back. I said, no, I just, I don't know what to do, but I just don't feel like I, I need to heal um, and I certainly wasn't in a financial position to do that, but um, I just was so ill. Mm. Um, so while I was sort of convalescing, a couple of people um, were really supportive that sort of work in the sort of uh, fibre industry, and we were chatting a lot, and they said, oh, just this blogging thing, you, can you monetize it? Of course, everyone says, like, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm interested in monetizing. I'm, I'm not, I just don't know if that's for me. And um, and then a few of them said, well, I'll pay you to host my blog for me. And I never have time to do it. I'm an independent, you know, business owner. And I don't, you just seem to know what you're doing. And I just don't have time for that. Um, can I just brain dump at you and you host it? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Um, it was kind of just a way of me getting back some, I guess, in, um, a bit of stamina around work again because yeah. I was really unwell um and 
it kind of snowboarded from there. I kind of picked it up as I went. So in terms of stumbling blocks, I think it's just I didn't really have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really know where my place was and where to fit. It wasn't like I went, oh, I'm going to be a freelancer yeah. now. I really was quite a tumble. And I, I seemed to have quite an aptitude for social media. And I was just curious about why people responded more to one thing than another. Yeah. Um, and it grew from there and I got quite interested and, you know, I was, I was like, this marketing thing seems kind of crazy, but I guess I could learn a bit about that if I'm writing someone's newsletter, you know, because people were asking me to write because I was a writer yeah. and take photographs because I was a photographer. Well, you know, a, you know, an amateur one of an enthusiast. Um, and I think it, part of it maybe is that I didn't have a set of people around me for a long time who did that kind of work. I was kind of on my own for a while within this sort of fiber industry, which is where I started. Um, because a lot of my um, blogging was about knitting. Cause that's what of I liked course, doing. Yeah. You know, I was quite ill and um, yeah, it was, it was learning patterns. That I just had never been introduced to before. You know, my parents had nine to five. I mean, my mum initially didn't, work to look after us and then um she retrained she actually went back to university well she went back to college and she got some qualifications so she she felt like she could re-enter the the workplace because she'd come straight from school into work and then yeah. she'd had us um and that was kind of my model as you know you you get a good GCSE or something and then you go to work like it was a very I come from quite a working class background you know they were factory workers and yeah. um that you know, you, you got the best education that you could, but we couldn't afford you to go too far. And then, you know, you go and get a job. That yeah. was kind of the model. And the fact that I'd gone to university was kind of like this big thing. But yeah. when I was at university, I felt very out, like a fish out of water. There was a lot of people there who were, it was a given that they were going to university. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that was a theme. I think I've just sort of fumbled around for years. And I'm always amazed when I interview people for podcasts or I talk to people in the creative industry who just seemed to know and it was something innate yeah. that they they knew they were going to go and create this thing I'm always particularly fascinated by those people I'm like wow yeah, I, am. Yeah. I could have saved so much time <laughs> I am I am sometimes not cynical of that but I sometimes think that that can come with hindsight like there definitely are people that know and have the innate confidence and and the people around them that kind of help them show them the way mm. and like yes I want to be this I want to be that or you know but I think sometimes it can be a bit of hindsight because even I say now oh but I knew I wanted to be a journalist from the age of five which is true I did or I wanted to be a writer I you know that was always my thing but I only say that with hindsight really I did so much other stuff so much other nonsense in the meantime yeah. And you try things on and you take some of those skills, you know, it's, I was liken it to gardening, you know, one year, something that you lovingly nurtured for an entire three seasons doesn't produce the thing that you needed to produce. And you feel like it's such a huge failure and a waste, but actually you take that lesson into the next few seasons and that's kind of the nature of it. Um, and I, I kind of think careers are the same. You yeah. try things on and there's so many things now that I'm like, oh, if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't now be able to. I really do believe that so much of like the sort of the empathy that I learned through the work I did really helps me with how I engage with people, both in terms of the, sort of the community around what I do, but the work I do and storytelling and um, particularly when I'm employed to write copy for people. I'm yeah. sort of, I can really sort of dig into what it is that they want to convey. Um, that empathy hasn't disappeared. You don't suddenly stop caring and yeah. listening and um, really thinking about someone's reaction to something. You just use it in a different way suddenly. I think people sometimes worry a lot that, the you know, trying on, like you say, trying on different careers will hinder them and it will be mm. a waste of time. But actually, you're so right. You've completely hit the nail on the head that actually it will get you further that you're never you're never gonna it's never a waste of time to try out that contract in yeah social media that because you're quite good at it you don't mm. know if you want to do that for the rest of your life but if you do it for now I mean yeah. I'm a big I'm a big believer in just saying yes and just do it doing it for now nothing is permanent yeah. No, and you can change direction at any yeah. time because you're the person living your life. Yeah. I think 
there is a slight um that's a slightly romantic view i guess because there is also the thing that um, it's a privilege to be able to do those things it's yes, something that i yeah, i don't one. discredit you know i just i i'm not sure if discredit the word but i just i often feel like i enjoyed a certain amount of privilege to be able to do it because yeah. the positions i was in at the time um there's a lot of people who those opportunities simply aren't open because they they need their life to run a certain way you know I, i'm thinking particularly my, my friend at the moment she's a single mum um there's not a great deal of money she needs a lot of benefits to support her she's finally going to university and I'm so incredibly proud of her in a way that I don't want to sound patronizing because I just I just want to like wake up every day and and, like just scream a high five down the phone (laughs) (laughs) she's she's doing it but she's juggling an awful lot of work and things to make it happen and I think there's part of her that would just be exhausted if I said yeah but you're doing it and you're living your dream she's like you know what I just I just want to be able to provide for my kid (laughs) I think would be her answer and it it comes from a certain amount of stress being a person who has to be supported by benefits. I know that as a single parent, you know, it's, yeah. it's demoralizing. And you do sometimes think, do you know what? I'm just going to take my life this way because I do not have to engage with HMRC. Yeah, <laughs> like, I really know what that feeling is like. As do you know what? It's too hard. I'm done. Um, yeah, I, it is I demoralizing. Think I think that's a really, I mean, I just for having to sort out maternity leave, mm as a self-employed person I've never felt such a scrounger in my life yeah yeah (laughs) but and it I mean it's patriarchal isn't it It comes down to the patriarchy because if men had to take at this amount of time off if they were the primary caregivers as so often they aren't then Mm. maternity leave would be completely different yeah it would not be we wouldn't have to beg for it no, and it's it's a thing that we have an entire system around a very sort of capitalist society. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're going back to what we talked about the schools. Like kids go to work; they are like little drone bees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, that's your job. You go out and you become part of the machine, and and that's that's the way things are set up. So our benefits are worked are set up the same, and um, just making sure it's not going to ring again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, Oh, but the thing is um with the way our benefit system is currently set up is once you're on a benefits um tier it's incredibly hard to move yeah. off of it or within it you know often yeah. and this sort of seems to be this assumption you know once you're unemployed because i had a, that period of unemployment and i had to take um you know sort of job seekers allowance and things and those weekly meetings around job seekers particularly when i was someone who was trying to either career change or to you know get some freelance work the minute I took the freelance work it negated any benefits but the freelance work that I took was never going to be enough to pay my bills so it there was it's quite a a punitive system that very quickly you can end up becoming more and more dependent on it and then it becomes you know and then I had this whole period you know with the maternity same thing again like you felt quite penalized the minute you went back to work there was kind of no easing it's like you're in or you're out yeah yeah yeah, totally yeah Uh, that's what I found yeah yeah it kind of keeps you in a cycle yeah yeah it's a, totally a cycle I was a single mum who was self-employed and I had an opportunity to grow and I thought if I grow and it does you know this is just a temporary bit of growth for me I have to think about childcare that would negate that benefit and, and it's it's harsh the second you misstep if you're on working tax credits it's gone yeah. and you're like that's great but I'm eating air until you review this yeah. and so you know you'd have six weeks of just sheer stress and dreading every letter that came through from HMRC and that's a that's a really horrible place to be in um you know especially um it's not people who um perhaps have the the strongest mental health who are on you know I can hold my hand up with that and say yeah you know you're not you're in quite a vulnerable place and I often think I did all this I had all this work experience where I helped people sort their benefits out and I've done degrees and you know I would consider myself a pretty intelligent person and pretty um self-sufficient and I found this system hard so, wow, we're expecting a lot from somebody who's more vulnerable than I am. Um, yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about it like that. Because, yeah, because I come from a real place of privilege. And especially, I think, being a parent, but not being a single parent, I don't, I I cannot even comprehend how hard that must be. I think it takes a whole new level of emotional uh, resilience, along with all the other practical sides of things. 
Yeah, and I think there's quite a noble idea of it, you know, this sort of exhausting life single parent. I mean, you know, there's also great things like Mm. I've defined my own (laughs) boundaries and goals. There's a lot of things I could set our rhythm so that I could be self-employed in a way that I might have found more difficult. Um, But then I would have had a partner, you know, who hopefully would have been helping share childcare Mm. and household things and finances. So it's, it is. And I, I think we, I think there's a conversation that often people feel very, um, I guess I'm unwilling because it makes it sound like they're, they're, it's coming from a bad place, but it is a very difficult conversation to have is I can choose this creative journey because I have, you know, I have a certain amount of privilege and yeah. privilege is something we do experience. Yeah. And I, people get quite angry when they hear the word yeah. and particularly when perhaps they're, they're sort of realizing it for the first time. Yeah. And it, that's really normal. Like if you, shame is a massive response and it, I, if you don't feel shame that you realize that you are in a much better position than someone else simply because you have you know your white skin cisgendered able-bodied you know any of those things yeah that that seems like normal to feel shame to me yeah um, it's a human you aware of it and do something about it yeah. you know that's, that's that's fine it's okay to feel shame but I think that can sometimes stop people from engaging in that conversation which kind of important in the yeah. work and the world that we're existing in with sort of creativity and online and things um, yeah I completely agree I think there's a level of defensiveness that sometimes yeah. shit. I, I know it does for me as well also I should just say because only because I'm incredibly <laughs> ignorant and I didn't used to know what cis, cis <laughs> so that is the gender that you were born with so if yeah so so I am a cis female yeah and if you were born as a man with male genitalia then you're a cis man so it's just how you identify yourself and not excluding people who identify as male but weren't born that way as in born with their genitalia that way yeah. that's right isn't it i always feel a bit sweaty palm yeah, yeah, yeah. I, say this that's right. I just don't want to be offensive yeah. but <laughs> no and I, I think it's okay how, how do i put it like I, as somebody um you know, who's in the same sex relationship, I would far rather have people with the best intentions fumble around. Mm. You know, we had this lovely experience actually that meant a lot to us as a family. My daughter just started a new school and her teacher was getting to know her and she did this whole activity where everybody drew new name name tags for their pegs because she knew that my daughter would need one, so we should all do it. And I just thought that was I was really like, Yes, I really like the way you've gone about this, yeah. making her feel included. And she's obviously sat drawing next to her, getting to know her, you know, I was like, Good, you know, busy hands, get them talking. And um she sort of delicately tried to work out whether it was two mummies. And um, my daughter thought this was hilarious when she came home. She said, she thinks I have two mummies. And obviously, like, to her, that's madness because I have one mummy that I came out of her tummy. And I said, well, why do you think that she thinks you have two mummies? And, you know, she we really, like, chatted about it and it was lovely. But I loved that she hadn't just not said anything. She had, Yeah, she hadn't avoided the, teacher, the topic. But yeah. she also hadn't just assumed. Yeah. And I just, it meant a huge amount to us and I just felt like my daughter would be accepted and that any and you know because it's a very real thing you know I felt very suffocated in my last community that I was very frightened that my daughter would be subject to bullying um you know I felt like it my little girl was equipped but actually the school felt pretty equipped yeah and you know just that gentle exploration meant a huge amount to me but also there is a thing that it's not someone's job to educate you and that is a is a big bugbear of mine um, that often people kind of want, particularly around sort of Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people like, it's not my job to educate you. Yeah. <laughs> Step out of your privilege. Yeah. Um, that can feel pretty, I know I can feel pretty exhausted sometimes when someone will kind of, uh, a phrase that I hear a lot is like, in this day and age, when I talk about experiencing sort of homophobic uh, responses perhaps I had I had one recently on Instagram and someone was really like in this day and age I was like wow if you can say that mm-hmm. you're really not looking around enough like you know there are people still being killed when they come out by their families yeah. so that's um you know yes there's extreme examples but there's also a lot of low-level examples yeah. there's a reason that a lot of us in the LGBT community feel a lot safer in certain bars yeah that's a very real thing yeah, yeah, yeah. um so it's yeah it's and I like the online spaces that I've found that have 
where they're having those conversations because it meant that I could learn what cisgendered means yeah. and what does TEF mean and, yeah. you know, and what is this privilege thing that everyone's talking about mm. and why is my white privilege such a big thing and what is white feminism and oh god I think that's me and oh I okay right I'm gonna work on this and I did like huge reading topics and just kind of really dive down that rabbit hole that yeah. exists online but I think we tend to only look at there's I mean just Instagram some of the values around the explore page I think is quite interesting although my explore page I think I'm training quite well (laughs) (laughs) things that are coming up recently I'm like you're getting to know me Instagram (laughs) 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 high five it every time (laughs) there's a whole lot of rainbows going on here Instagram good job <laughs> That's a really good point. You know, you do need to if you don't like what you see on your explore page, and actually it's a bit of an analogy for life, then start training mm. it so that you can <laughs> so that yeah, you're seeing what you want to see. Well, we exist in bubbles, you know, this yeah, has been it's an echo chamber, political Yeah, political discussions over the last few years. It's really kind of made people kind of wow, I'm only talking to people who have the same opinion as me. Yeah. Um and it's and I perhaps only seeing things that look like me. That's yeah. a big thing too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's something that I've been really working on over the last couple of years in my social media, that my timeline now, it looks really varied on Twitter. I'm finding it a lot harder on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I think I it is harder, isn't there's it? Certain things I'm, I'm drawn very visually to certain things yeah. as well, is what I've realised. And it, it is a very visual medium. Yeah. So sometimes someone has some really interesting things to say in the caption, but you'll lose it if you're just looking at the images. Yeah. So I sort of had to train myself not to get sucked into, oh, that's a nice coffee image. Because <laughs> <laughs> coffee images are, you know, <laughs> comforting. <laughs> they are, they are. And and it's okay if that's what you want to see. But yeah, it's, it's important to know that uh, there's other things out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I do sometimes like deliberately go and fall down those rabbit holes and see where they take me. Sometimes, whoa, you go to a scary place, but <laughs> and that stuff's there if you want to find it. But um, yeah, I do deliberately try and just have, dedicate a bit of time for just cruising around and, yeah. and just getting out of my usual sort of well-worn paths, if you like. I think that's, it's really opened up the world to me. I think that um, Instagram, that's that's the key to enjoying Instagram. Because, mm-hmm. I, so I, I have a Facebook group for the podcast and it's quite small. And every Wednesday we do a weekly honesty thread where I basically mm-hmm. just say, it started out as me just saying, hey guys, this is how I feel this week. And then right. it just had a huge response because if you're vulnerable, people feel like they can be vulnerable too. And, mm-hmm. and it's become a really nice, safe environment to share Oh my god! But you know, it's it's all around, mostly around blogging, and mm. but a lot that comes up is people feeling really crappy about Instagram, and just yeah, just feeling a bit crap about it. Like you know, either their own profile it doesn't look how they want, or they don't feel good when they log in, and they don't feel like they're spending enough time on it, or they feel like they're spending too much time on it. And for me, I think the whole thing around Instagram is just to kind of have fun and and get lost Mm. down rabbit holes I remember Sarah Tasker saying encouraging get lost in a hashtag rabbit hole start off with one hashtag and just keep going yeah that's great advice it's so good isn't it because you you discover she should think about doing e-courses or something like girl because she she knows (laughs) what she's talking about right (laughs) maybe I'll suggest it to her yeah she seems like she's got time (laughs) I hear she's kind of big on I've Instagram. got a lot of time for Sarah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear she's a bit of a queen or something. I've got a lot of time for Sarah. She talks sense. She talks so much sense. And that was probably what? one of my greatest takeaways for Instagram and enjoying yeah. it. Go to Get lost around a rabbit hole. Yeah. And she's one of those people that she's very self-aware mm. in what she's doing. So I have... There's some people I don't know if I could always take the kind of content she shares. Not I don't mean that in a negative way, in that, you know, she's... Um, the beautiful images and she's very beautiful the child's beautiful and you know it's just yeah, it's like very because yeah, she yeah, had yeah. this very whimsical thing yeah. but she's so self-aware in it and she's yeah. very I love her captions and the yeah. number of times she just she's genuinely made me laugh out loud and her writing's beautiful too yeah. you know she's very evocative um, and then she's a her advice is very practical and, yeah. and able to use and I and she's also she's not someone who's 
got this huge platform and said, oh, but I'm not going to be political for fear I, I lose yes. followers. I have a lot of time for people who do that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I have a lot of time for that kind of, you know, presence on the internet as a result. I'm like, yeah, go do your thing, be creative and share that dream and, and really inspire people. But there's heart and soul behind it and there's a realness and there's a great self-awareness that doesn't make me feel threatened and feel bad when I look. And I think that's a really important thing is I think sometimes we can be chasing inspiration. Oh, these people are wonderful and beautiful and everything's wonderful and beautiful. And suddenly you're not feeling wonderful and beautiful yeah. anymore because it's not relating to real life. Mm. And you need something mm. that just tethers you maybe. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. The tethering often comes in. Yeah. For Sarah in the captions. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, and you tr- it's a trust thing, isn't it? You trust the Absolutely that isn't her life every day (laughs) that's for instagram and that's fine and yeah i yeah and i've been lucky enough to meet her a couple of times that she's the same person like that is who she is and i i i because of the kind of work i do i often meet people you know got big profiles and things and and it's always so nice when you meet someone who is the same person I mean it's you know we're all putting our best foot forward online you have to remember not to judge your middle by someone else's best um but it's it's really disconcerting sometimes when you meet someone who is completely different to how they seem online and I'm always it kind of it's really jarring and I I often feel that's that's the negative side and that's where I suspect they probably don't like how different it is. Or maybe they do. It's escapism. There is a thing maybe. about creating who you want to be, I guess, which I've done before. You know, I wasn't. But it's exhausting, isn't it? I think oh, it's God. exhausting. I don't think you can enjoy that long term. I think you can enjoy it for, I don't know, 10 minutes, two weeks. Be like, oh, this is great. This is the person I always wanted to be. But then suddenly you have mm-hmm. to keep it up and, and that feels gross. Yeah. I think. It's hard. And I, I think for me, I practiced slowly drip feeding sort of coming out online before I did in my real life Mm. I think that's a really I think a lot of people do they sort of practice maybe being the best part of themselves that they're not brave enough to be in real life and sometimes it gives them that push and I'm a big you know I'm a big fan of that I'm like oh I don't tear someone down for trying you know that's the equivalent of someone you know trying to introduce themselves at a party and you're saying oh you know you didn't seem real enough to me (laughs) I mean we'd never do that would we so when I hear people tearing others down, I'm like, you'd never do that in person. I know, it's so true. You just don't seem authentic <laughs> enough to me right now. Just come on. Is that really how we treat people? But yes, you're right. It reminds me of um, an episode of the Adam Buxton podcast I was listening to with him. And I think it was Joe Cornish, the Christmas mm-hmm. one that they do every year. And they were giving each other presents and they were saying, <laughs> if this was Twitter because they didn't like each other's presence but if this, if this was twitter oh, yeah. there'd be no pleasantries it'd be like god did you get that for free are you sponsored by the brand <laughs> try harder <laughs> i quite enjoy the humor that twitter has and again like i i'm a big fan of you know unfollow if you think it's a hate follow don't put yourself through that because actually you and the person you're following deserve better and use the mute button to protect your mental health if you yeah, need you sure. know i i'm a big fan of you know looking after yourself but i find twitter has a much better sense of humor than instagram so i, I spend <laughs> quite a lot of time on it and i particularly enjoyed around christmas you know christmas was, and there was like this dad who was like you know i have a millennial coming today so he'll just be tweeting hilarious things hoping it goes viral for next <laughs> week and i was like this is so true <laughs> <laughs> I think um I also love Twitter but yeah unfollow or mute if you feel like you need to protect yourself because that's the most important thing <laughs> or move around and share people on different platforms there's yeah. people that I felt really bad unfollowing on Instagram because I didn't like their voice on Instagram but I loved them on Twitter oh, or I was on their newsletter and I was getting the thing that I needed um I did a big thing where I realized that you know newsletters were taking over every inbox that I had and I did a big yeah. cull some I realized I had on three I clearly very much cared about that person's <laughs> content if you don't need them on all three and then felt really obliged to tell lots of people like I unfollowed you but not because I dislike what you're doing anymore <laughs> and I think we can get quite hung up that everyone is sat watching waiting for who's unfollowing yeah. and I I just I mean I don't pay attention maybe no, other people do more but mm. I try to not get too much into that numbers game but I guess you know for some people who are really trying to cultivate a business they might do but 
Which is, I don't need yeah, that. Totally Seems like the part of bad mental health. Yeah, to I me. agree. I agree. I think it's totally fine. I understand when people have a goal, but I really always encourage understanding what the goal is before, because a lot of the time it's just an ego thing, isn't it? You, you get to your number that you've you've set as an arbitrary goal, like ten thousand. So enough. you have your swipe up, and then you're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, my breakfast don't look better for me to Instagram. Yeah. Weirdly. <laughs> Like, there was not some magical path and I suddenly live in an all-white living room, you know? Like, <laughs> so I'm not true. that Instagrammer, Instagrammer now. That doesn't work that way. <laughs> and I just think it's never going to be enough if the numbers is the target because you'll hit 10, you'll be like, yeah. I've got my swipe up. Okay, now I want 20. Now yeah. I want to be that Instagrammer. And I think, and again, I think we can often look at other people who are at those figures and think that they, they're not working as hard as everybody else yeah. because they've made it or they you know, they, they've got everything they need. And often those people are still working really hard and they're, you know, they're still having a different set of issues, maybe or the same set of issues. You know, I, I think it's, and there's a lot of people who have very quietly put, set up brand new accounts that they just go and play on and enjoy themselves and they don't particularly talk about and I love it when I stumble across them I'm like oh that kind of has so-and-so's tone I'm like oh I see what you did there (laughs) (laughs) because they just want it with the pressure off and yeah I I can totally relate to that I think that's great (laughs) I think that's a really good message for everybody just have a play which is yeah I think so (laughs) yeah and I think that's often you know I thought about oh do I need to change playful day it doesn't sound very grown up but I think that's kind of the point it's we can sometimes just get really bogged down I'm always slightly um I find it amusing when people really want me for business advice and they and you know they sort of really what's the secret and I'm like um I don't know if I'm the right person for you, but I do know a series of excellent coaches I can recommend. Um, I'm not really sure. Just have fun and be engaged with the community. Remember, it's called a social network. You're meant to be social on it. You know, like all those, the clues are there. Um, don't forget that there's real people on the other side. You know, it's not a performance. Um, you know, like, um, good luck. <laughs> I think these are all excellent pieces of advice and you should probably write an e-course now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm an e-course person. I had so much admiration for people who do them and I think they're so great um, for like access to, uh, you know, a lot of people who might not be able to get the opportunity to have, you know, that kind of stuff in their lives. But I just, I'm not built that way, I don't think. (laughs) Quite happy with my camera and scuttling around. (laughs) On that note, where can everybody find you online and what are you? What are your projects this year that you want to talk about? Ah, I am. So you can find me as at a playful day on Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, and I have a Facebook page that I occasionally remember exists and have a little flurry and then I don't. Um, I am at a playful day.com and if you go forward slash podcast you can listen to the podcast there's all the archives there and there's some amazing interviews. Um, and I have a blog um where which varies wildly what I'm talking about <laughs> and I actually also should I'm not very good at um talking about it because I'm not very good at asking people to pay us for our content but I also I host a lot of content on Patreon it's a crowdfunder that basically you know people can subscribe every month at different mm-hmm. tiers to fund what you're doing so some people pay for extra podcast content some people pay for extra blogs some people pay for a sort of live hangout there's all kinds of things I'm still sort of finding my comfort zone with because I do find it I still find it really odd I tried the sponsorship route and it didn't work for me so that's something I recently sort of rebooted if you like I took a year off I took an online gap year which I if you're in the position to do I can thoroughly recommend because it I I left a lot of hang-ups behind around what my numbers should be. And so it means that 2018, I'm going in with, I'm going to use Patreon to fund what I do because I want to do more writing and I want to do more podcasts and I want to do a lot more around visibility and representation. And I think that's what sort of 2018 is looking about, is how I then grow a lot of different voices on a playful day and how I fund that so it becomes a a meaningful piece of work for me because I I was working full-time as a brand manager Mm -hmm. um the most bizarre thing that came out um from doing this online blogging and podcasting thing is then people wanted to employ me to do it for their brand um which I resisted for a long time and then actually ended up working for um a young company who I just I loved and I've been able to really push my photography and writing with them and I um, was doing campaigns and all sorts um but I needed to step back in order to move um 
so now I'm doing freelance and again I I, I sound like I'm quite reactive all the time in the way that I work but I do try to be I'm getting a lot of requests from people who are sort of looking for more documentary style photography and more representative photography I've had a lot of um, same-sex families contact me for photo shoots because they didn't feel um, perhaps the sort of more straight photographers in their area were giving them what they needed yeah. they didn't feel seen um, so I'm going to be working on that portfolio that's hugely maybe... exciting it is I'm really yeah. excited about it it's the first time I've kind of said it in public I guess ah, that that's what I've been quietly so working on <laughs> um, so yeah that's kind of I guess where I am is just working on getting more writing um, I sort of I was you know writing a lot of editorials and places a few years ago and I stopped just because you know it's not the kind of publishing cycle often for online is very fast and it's yeah. not conducive when you're a single parent yeah. with limited yeah. child care it's like well I need to do a rewrite at two o'clock it's like well actually I've got to go on the school run yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. sorry I know it's meant to be in, in for tomorrow but mm. <laughs> um, so I think working on that more is definitely a big thing um because I you know I I've been very lucky that over the last year I took a year out I came back and I when I came back I made the very conscious decision to be out and visibly yeah. out because I felt I couldn't be because I didn't see people like me mm. um and now that I'm there I kind of want to really use that and um and just write about that experience because I know that people enjoy my writing and yeah it matters stuff really matters to me so that's what I'm going to work on this year to do it in a hopefully structured way <laughs> <laughs> i am so excited to follow along ah, <laughs> i could literally talk to you for hours and hours and hours <laughs> but i'll let you go <laughs> thank you so so much for being part of the podcast oh thank you it's been a really nice experience oh, good it's been a joy to chat to you thanks for listening to what she said i really appreciate it i hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did please think about leaving me a five-star rating and a review if you have time this really helps other people find the podcast and means that people don't hide me in their vaults if you fancy joining my small but perfectly formed bunch of podcast fans for chit chat on facebook head to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what she said podcast and come and join us